Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome to the season one finale of Canucks After Dark here on Wednesday, September 8th. Uh, we have a wonderful show for you guys tonight. Uh, as always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing this week, sir? I am doing fine. I can't believe we are at the end of season one, but I guess that makes sense if we want to kick off with our return to Monday nights, uh, much anticipated return. But uh, in anticipation of that, non-hockey-wise, things are good. Parker started my next course for my master's, so going to have to be a little bit more um, proper when it comes to time management. Gills and all three kids back at school, of course. So uh, it's been a week of transition, and uh, but things are good. Things are good. I hope you are doing well as well. And the the crazy thing is, we're we're ending season one of this show that we didn't start creating until April twelfth, and so the Canucks probably only played how many games do you think the Canucks played since we started this show? It's not a lot. It was probably probably like eight yeah dozen yeah dozen or less exactly. So, yeah. We are, I think this is our 23rd episode of our show or something like that. I can get the actual number here. Yeah, this is our 23rd episode, uh, oh. which we'll be using to end season one next year, you know, for the for the 2021-2022 season. I'm sure it'll be, you know, 55 episodes or so if we have those extra <laughs> ones interspersed every once in a while like we did this year. Uh, but so far, it's been a lot of fun, and we do have some stuff to talk about tonight. We have uh, a bit of stuff around the Vancouver Canucks. Around the NHL, as always, we're going to uh, do our Don't Do That segment at around 10.30, ideally. Mm. Um, and we'll get uh, your topics, your questions for the last 15 minutes or so of the show. Uh, and we'll also talk about what we're going to do for season two, uh, which starts on Monday. You won't want to miss that show. That is for sure. Now, you said, Parker, that we all, all of that sounds really good, by the way. You said this is show number 23. So are we calling this the... The Alex Edler show or the Oliver Ekman Larson show? Well, it's a new era, but this is season one still. So I think this is the Alex Edler episode. Okay, I'll go uh, with that. Next year, it'll be the Ekman, Larkin, uh, Ekman Larson uh, <laughs> episode. Um, today, we're going to start off with a, a wonderful topic that we have hit on many times uh, when, you know, it's really the dominant news story in the Canucks market for the last four months, really, or maybe longer, maybe less, but um, that's obviously the contracts of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. And I know we've talked about this, like I said, a dozen times, but we actually got a few nuggets of information. We're not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, the biggest one though, coming out, uh, is that, uh, potentially Quinn Hughes might be getting more term while Elias Pettersson might be on the bridge side. Now we've thought in the past that it's going to be, you know, both of them getting bridge deals before that it was kind of the other way around. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on sort of the late developments here? Well, even before, <laughs> I'm giggling Parker, cause we didn't have that much time to chat today before, but, um, today actually I had plans to do a video on this cause whenever you run out of things to talk about this off season, this is a go-to topic that people are still interested in. Right. So I had this in mind and then my good friend, he's in there, the legend himself, John hot take hockey. He actually reached out and said, would you want to do this video on PD and Hughes? And I said, sure. So. Uh, he did a great video on it, not because I'm in it, because of his own insight. I did my own video, and now we're doing it. So three times today talking about it, all to say, um, you know how we said, let's not worry about it till we get closer to training camp? I'm getting a, not like this much worried, like a little bit, a little bit. 
just yeah it's this is how this is how the the whole travis green situation went for me last year when people were starting like in november right like the team didn't play till january people were talking november on the radio like oh travis green's in the last year of his contract he doesn't have a contract like guys we've got seven months for this to get sorted out but then every month you have one less month and you know it slowly ticked away and then we got to the point where travis green was basically an unrestricted free agent um so you know we're kind of we're kind of getting to that and we keep i did keep saying if as long as they're signed by training camp yeah but remember two weeks ago when i said that there was 14 more days for that to you know it was a it was a 28 day window now it's more of a 14 day window um i'm still not worried i'm not going to be worried until when does training camp start the 23rd yes yes Uh, I i will be worried on the 20th is when I'll start to get worried. Uh, and, and I good. say we'll that, a, I'll be worried yeah. next week. But And we'll have a show that night on the 20th, so we can gauge our each other's worriedness. And I'm totally with you about the moving goalposts because, as you know, we've always also said on here, well, Bo Horvat wasn't signed until September 8th. Brock Besser wasn't signed until September... I don't know why I'm dancing like this. Until September 16th. <laughs> but then some guy commented on my video today, yeah, you keep saying that, Clay, but that was one guy each year. We're talking about our two guys that are our franchise players. So, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you do say there are franchise players and that is fair right these are the mm-hmm. two of the best players on the team but during, when that horvat contract was signed when that brock besser contract was signed those were also our franchise players at the time fair. right yeah um so it, it is kind of the same boat just there's two to do instead of one and they both yeah. kind of put pressure on each other and you know double the panic double the fun uh it's always always exciting being a canucks fan and i realized parker i never even answered your question because i got so excited about talking about t- this topic Yes, you're right. Uh, both Patrick Johnson of the of the province, he suggested $8 million. So we would think that's a seven or eight year contract. And then Elliot Friedman coming on Downey and Dolly saying basically a similar thing that Hughes is looking at term. And wasn't it funny yesterday how, I guess, coming out of Labor Day and back to school, back to work, everything kind of blew up, right? Donnie and Dolly are back. Sakara Surprise are back. Halford and Preffer, uh, Bruff are back. Athletics starting to post again. It was kind of nice as a as a Canucks fan. At least we had some stuff to go to. to yeah, to it is yeah, it is watch. sports season, and we're I guess this kind of means we're starting season two a week late. We should have tried to get <laughs> in with all of the all the cool kids in the media, but you know we're making our own path here. Um, but are you fine with eight by eight? I'll just ask you. Let's get it going. Are you fine with eight by eight for you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's one of those things where it's. If, if he plays like he did last year for all those eight years, that's not an ideal contract, right? <laughs> but also, it's like, you know what you're getting. It's locked yep. in. And, you know, I think he can be good enough where that contract will have value. Um, it's risky, but it's also, it's risky in a different way, right? It's risky in a certainty way. You yeah. know you're paying this much money. The only risk is, does Hughes live up to it? In the other case, you give him a three-year contract, and now the risk is, well, you know, we're, you know, th- there's less risk because three years from now we we can start over here. But also there's risk that three years from now he's doing a lot better. And it's a, and we're talking about a, a an eight figure price tag instead of a seven figure <laughs> one. Um, and then so it's 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 you're you're getting risk regardless. Right. Um, and it's it's whether or not you want to make the bet that he's going to be really good. Or you want to make the bet that he's going to be just average. And if you're going to go bridge, that might be, you know, that second idea might be a better bet. But if you do want to have a franchise defenseman, you think Quinn Hughes is going to be your franchise number one defenseman who might be Norris caliber at some point in his career, then yeah, eight years at 8 million is the only way you're going to get, or, you know, 8 million. But 
the full length you can get buying those UFA years now is the only way you're going to get that value uh, over yeah. the course of the term. Great point. And uh, it's funny, Parker, uh, the reaction to Petey when we spitball numbers for him, everyone usually, I hear very few people say, oh, that's an overpayment. You know, we're going to have to pay more for him, meaning they say that my guesses are conservative. But when it comes to Hughes, for every person that says, oh, that would be a great contract, kind of like what you said, there's going to be another person that says, I'm not sure if I'm sold on this guy yet. Well, yeah, you got to look at comparables, right? I mean, there's yeah. not a lot of defensemen in the NHL making more than $8 million, right? There's a handful of them. Yeah. Um, but when you're talking about, you know, number one centers, they they get paid pretty well. And you look, um, you know, analytically, guys like Dom Lushizian put out their models when a contract gets signed. And you can look at a, a, a contract like, like Connor McDavid's, for example, which is the highest paid contract in the NHL, $12.5 million per year. And he puts out this uh, basically, you know, analysis of his analytics and it says, if Connor McDavid was making the league maximum, the Oilers would still be getting way more value than they're paying for. Wow. Right? So they, you know, you look at a guy like Elias Pettersson and you look at if you have a true franchise caliber number one center, like a top 20 player in the NHL, then it's hard to overpay them, right? It's hard to overpay your stars. It's easy to overpay the guys down the lineup, right? But it's, you know, you have a bunch of guys making $3 million a year on your third and fourth line that adds up really quickly. But if you're overpaying your stars by a million or $2 million, it's not ideal, but it's a lot less hurtful than, than right. paying the guys way down the lineup too much money. Great. Uh, yeah. Well said. And I guess the easiest way to, um, you know, to articulate that would be, we'd much rather be paying PD overpaying him one or 2 million than Louis Erickson by basically 5.5 5 million. <laughs> Six. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would give him a little bit of credit. I didn't even give him leave minimum. <laughs> he didn't give he didn't give the team any credit last week in that interview. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that's true. Can't let him live that down. Um, but yeah, so okay. so if so, we're if we're talking, you know, Quinn yeah. Hughes, uh, let's let's go on a limb and say eight by eight, right? Okay. Which is a lot, and it means yeah. they're paying more now, right? You do have to you have to purchase those UFA years, right? Because the RFA years are always cheaper there. He's under the team's control, but once, you know, three years from now, he's an unrestricted free agent. And instead of one team bidding for his services, it's 32, uh, you know, supply and demand market drives that price up. Uh, so while you might be able to pay him, you know, in the $6 million range for, you know, like three years, uh, when you start looking at, you know, eight years, you have to start bringing up that price because six years from now, he's going to be wanting to make more money uh, over the course of that term. So, in the short term, yep. it's probably a net negative, right? I don't think like Quinn Hughes probably won't be an eight million dollar player this year, right? That's mm -hmm. that might be fair, That's but fair. three years, it, years three to eight he might be a nine, $10 million player. So that's where yeah. you sort of, you, you pay your dues a little bit now for that value in the long term, um, which, you know, I like that philosophy, but for this team trying to put together a competing roster this year, it might be um, a little bit hurtful in that regard. Yeah. People, uh, yeah. I really like how you explained that Parker. People said that about Demko when he signed his five by five, we think at the overall 25 million, that's pretty good for potentially a Vesna, you know, battling, goalie but you're i think we made this point it, that first year that's even that second year it might feel like a bit of an overpayment by year three four five we should be getting a deal on that deal right yeah you're you're making yeah. a gamble and and yeah. you're betting you, it's a fun bet you're betting that your player is going to be good 
right? And that's something mm -hmm. everyone can get behind. Uh, when you go more the bridge route, you're betting that they won't be as good as you might hope they will be because then you'll save money in the long run. Yes, exactly. Yes, well said. And so if we say, you know, you remember we've talked about with cap friendly, they have a couple guys on the roster listed against the cap that actually aren't going to start the team. So we agree that there's about 16 million when you include Michael Furlan's LTIR for his unfortunate concussion and his, his injury. So if that's 8 million is gone, um, what would you say for PD? And it's interesting, John, and I've heard others talk about, it might not even be a three-year deal. It, there's a possibility it could be a one or two year and it still doesn't take him to UFA but it, it makes it a little risky because then you got to do this all again next year. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it is an interesting, it, it's a, that's a weird dynamic. Um, yeah. You know, you look at the, the standard bridge is one year before RFA. So in this case, yes. three years, um, yeah. but that also can be a little dangerous, right? Cause you can do that three year contract at the end of it. The player might be like, I don't want to be here anymore. I will only sign a one year deal to walk me to UFA. Yep. which you still have a bit of leverage. You can try to trade them at the deadline and, and things like that. But, you know, something like a one year deal now, I don't I don't I don't get it right. Like what? <laughs> how does it benefit anybody for us to just do this all again next year, especially yeah. if Pedersen has an excellent year, um, which we hope for. But then that's now negative for the team in the long run. Yes. And then we're trying to sign Bo next summer, too. Or no, mm -hmm. sorry, it's Brock next summer. Right. Yeah. Um. So. And then Bo after that, the Miller after that. Yeah, so <laughs> we're going to get used to these summers of potentially um, drawn-out negotiations. So, okay, so let's agree that even though it's a possibility, we, we don't think one year is is likely. Um, if we talk about three years, Parker, are you giving them all the rest of the money, the $8 million, or are we talking about a Barzell like $7 million or something in between? Well, so if we're talking for this year, the Canucks – don't need to sign anyone else really. Right? right. Like it's just him. The The Canucks went out and they signed a team and a half full of players at the start of free agency. So they like, they have enough people on the roster. It's kind of finalized. Who's going to be there. Mm -hmm. um, you do like to have a bit of cap flexibility throughout the season, right? Let's say this team is putting on a run, right? Let's see. This team is on pace for 50 wins this season. Uh, I'm not gambling on that, but let's say, you know, <laughs> we get, let's say we get to the trade deadline. This team's looking like a 105 point team. And they say, all right, we want to go add another piece. And if your cap is accumulating throughout the season, right? Let's say you have $2 million in cap space at the start of the season. Well, by the time you get to the trade deadline, you might be able to bring in a player who makes $6 million because the cap is, is a daily number. So if you want to, you know, have some cap flexibility, that is, you know, obviously ideal. Uh, but it doesn't look like this team's going to have cap flexibility, right? So if yeah. we're talking about giving him 7 million or giving him 7.8 million or whatever it is. Uh, I don't think it's enough to really matter. Um, but I would be fine with giving him whatever it takes to have him on the team. Basically. Yeah. Do you think PD, uh, so I've seen some people say three times nine, which would be very That's tricky. Really giving, high. Yeah. Um, do you high. think that won't happen? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, m my guess is seven and a half to eight. That's, does that sound right? I, I I see eight as around the ceiling if it's a bridge. Okay. Like if we're talking long term, then I could see nine in the picture. Yeah. Um, but I for an RFA that you know the only threat is an offer sheet, but at this point, I mean it just doesn't seem very likely that an offer sheet would come through. If it would have, it would have previously. Um there there's no there's no real threat. 
Um, so there's no need to sign him for that much money, right? I, I think we've sort of got a standard for bridge contracts around that seven for an elite center. You know, like you said, Barzal, you know, around that seven, maybe seven and a half million dollars, uh, especially since the cap hasn't gone up since then. Right. Can you imagine? I was just looking up, Parker. Can you imagine if it got so tight to the cap <laughs> that, and even with Furlins, LTIR, and everything, that can you? I, I'm just looking at the defense, and you probably know where I'm going. Where where Rathbone makes nine twenty five, but Yolevi makes seven fifty. Can you imagine right. if that one hundred seventy five grand is a difference maker? That'd be right. so crazy. So they so they have to send Rathbone down yes. because they need that extra cap space. Yeah, I mean. It's possible. It seems like, you know, <laughs> if you have to decide which players you put on the ice on a given night based on a hundred thousand dollars of salary, uh, <laughs> that's uh, that is tough. And coming, from, especially coming from a team that says no, we don't have any cap troubles uh, in the past, uh, and a team that just cleared out twelve million dollars of bad cap, yeah. uh, that's a bit of a, a bit of a scary idea. Yes, I agree. If only. Luongo's cap recapture penalty still wasn't on our books, eh? Yep. Well, that that contract was signed about 12 years ago now. Uh, I saw when I was looking for topics, I saw a post and it was from a couple days ago. It was 12 years to the day uh, that that contract got signed. Wow. Um, and it's still wow. with us. One more year. Almost One more. Done. One more year. Okay. So we are both collectively saying eight and eight. There's our 16. No flexibility, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. They don't really have much of a choice, right? Yep. They're not going to not have these guys signed going yep. into going into camp, but uh, it's going to be interesting. And I'm looking forward to the day it comes through because it's it's going to be. Uh, I, I say it's going to be one less thing for us to talk about. But when it ha when the, each of these contracts happen, our Canucks After Dark episodes are going to be entirely about those contracts, <laughs> most likely. So uh, stay tuned, folks. Yes. <laughs> Might be a lot to talk about next Monday uh, or the Monday after. Very cool. All right, let's move on to another young member of the Vancouver Canucks just joining the team all the way from Mother Russia. Vasily <laughs> Podkolzin has arrived in Vancouver wearing number 92 in a Canucks practice jersey, just ripping pucks past Martin Jones. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's officially here. He got his visas sorted out, his vaccinations sorted out, sorted out uh, and he is officially in Vancouver. Happened pretty quickly, huh, Parker? Like we, we we talked all summer. We knew about this visa. People were reporting on it, and then I think he out of the blue, he kind of posts a, an Instagram story with him at we presume at the airport with his new wife. Got married yeah. two two months ago, and next thing we know, he's posting pictures on a balcony in downtown. Yeah, I think um, uh, Rick Dollywall was like this was a few days ago. He was like, he finally has all his paperwork. He'll be on his way to Vancouver in a couple days. And like the next day, he's just on a balcony in Vancouver. <laughs> he's like, I'm here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, another new member of the team, another hopefully yeah. good offensive piece in the team. We've talked about sort of our expectations for Vasily Pod Colson this year. Pretty totally. conservative. I would say, you know, we don't want to have our hopes too high. We don't want to, you know, put this entire season on a young rookie playing in his first NHL games, uh, especially a guy who played like eight minutes a night in Russia. Um, <laughs> but it is going to be an exciting, uh, he's going to be an exciting piece to watch. Yeah. And you and I have both talked about and agreed upon for, for the most part, a fact that a second line could be Horvat with Garland and Hoglander. But I've heard some people and even someone in the chat earlier say, 
are we concerned that Hoglander and Garland together are too small? Sure, they play well, they play feisty, but physically, would that give you pause and say maybe we should put one of Podkolzin or Pearson up on that second line because they are bigger players? What says you? I uh, if you're playing in the offensive zone, it doesn't matter. Ah. Um, in my opinion, uh, yeah. if you're if if this is a line that you think is going to play well enough that they're going to have offensive opportunity, which I think they will. Um, I don't see it as much of a concern, you know, size on the wings isn't, it's not that important, right? Like, you know, we hear all this talk about like, Oh, you, these small guys know, you know, they're, they, you know, they can't work in the corners or whatever, but if you have the puck, you don't really have to work in the corners. You know, we <laughs> see guys like Cole Caulfield lighting it up. Um, you know, Johnny Gaudreau back in the day was, you yeah. know, never, never good, going to be big enough to make it. Um, I, I think Hoaglander plays a lot bigger than his size to me though. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what his actual numbers are. If he's like five ten, uh, but he, he plays like he's much bigger than he is. He works way harder than anyone else on the ice. Uh, I don't have any concern with having Niels Hoaglander and Connor Garland on a line together. I would agree with you, especially the way, like you said, Hoaglander plays bigger than he is. Garland is such a, a little water bug, but, but not like a little wimp. He He's not afraid to go to the net. He's not afraid to, go to the dirty area. So I, I, I agree with you in that. However, anytime someone says, well, why not put Colson instead of Hoglander? I, I kind of think of Hoglander did the same thing last year was kind of revelation out of training camp. Yet Hoglander has a year on put Colson when it comes to experience now. And if Travis green very values experience, even though it gave Hoglander a chance. So it's, it's so tricky. It's so, and I'm quite intrigued as to what happens. Cause sometimes, as you know, and we've talked about Travis green almost set certain pairings or line combinations, and stubbornly sticks with them like throughout training camp. Yeah, and yeah, on part of that, you know, why not Pod Colson over Hoaglander? We know what Hoaglander is kind of already, right? Like mm. last year, you know, he had just turned twenty. He goes out and he gets twenty-seven points in fifty-six games, right? A forty-plus point pace. That's really good for a second line. So if if he builds off this, we have no reason to believe he won't. Then yeah, he's a second line player in the NHL. So you might say, oh well, why not just put Puck Colson up there? Because we don't know what he is, right? We we've seen him play, you know, in big games and, and perform admirably. Uh, but we've also seen him, you know, have to ride the bench in the KHL playing, you know, getting three shifts in a game. Um, I I think you know getting your hopes up on Pud Colson just slotting into the second line and putting up 40, 50 points year one. Uh, it is a, it's a, it's a risky maneuver. Um, -hmm. meanwhile, you have guys like Connor Garland, who there's no doubt in my mind, he's second line, if not first, uh, and Niels Hoaglander, who also would, would be an excellent third liner, but I, I think he, he slots in really well on that second line to give it more offensive upside over a guy like, uh, pod Colson, who's an unknown quantity, uh, or Tanner Pearson. Okay, I'm going to play a quick game with you. I think you'll get it right, considering it's the four guys we talked about. So Garland, Hoglander, Pearson, and Pod Colson, okay? Those four. I'm going to give you just very quickly their their uh, their sizes, and you just kind of guess which guy this is, okay? 5'10", 165. Uh, that's Garland, I would say. Very good. One for one. Almost done. <laughs> uh, 6'1", 200. What, who are my options again? Horvat and Pearson are the other two? No, the other two are now Pearson, Pod Colson, Hoglander. Pearson, I would say Pod that's Colson. Pod Colson. Close. This one's Pearson. Oh. Uh, 6 one, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem that big. Uh, I've seen, yeah, he looks pretty <laughs> wide. <laughs> We're about the same weight, but he's got a few inches taller than me. And then uh, <laughs> Pod Colson is very close. 6 1 as well, 190. And that would oh, leave okay. 
Hoglander at 5'9", 185, as yeah. listed on the Cuts website. Yeah. 185 is uh, is pretty big for 5'9". That's uh, it is. that's some some good mass. Um, <laughs> I guess that is why he he battles so well. That's true. Okay, so I like what you're saying. I, I never thought about that, but I think about my roller hockey team. Yeah, you don't need to be big and tough if if you're the one being chased all the time, right? Yeah, With the puck. exactly. Yeah, you just gotta be. You just gotta stay away from him. <laughs> all right. Uh, our next topic, our last Canucks topic, and it's a very quick one. Um, the Canucks are searching for a DJ. Are uh, how excited? How exciting is that? <laughs> you know. It's funny, as you know, Parker. I love music, and I, I love music and hockey. Obviously, it's um, and when I'm at the game, when you're at the game, I don't think anyone's going for the music, but the whole it's part of the atmosphere that we're trying to create, along mm-hmm. with an in-game arena host, along with contests, visuals, yeah. music. So, but the one that they had, this DJ Baron, she kind of got a bit of a bad rap, didn't she? She wasn't the most loved. Uh, you know, it was. It wasn't a vibe that a lot of people liked, you know, the, the Chelsea dagger, uh, playing there was yeah. the, there was like a, like a pride night that she played dude looks like a lady by Aerosmith, like some real tone deaf decisions. Um, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't ideal. Uh, so she is out, uh, and, uh, obviously lots of people are hoping for someone like Jay swing to come back, yeah. uh, who was sort of in the prime time, uh, era. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the Canucks in arena experience has been better. Um, it's, Mm. and a lot of it does come down to the team on the ice though. Right. It's, but you know, if you're icing a bad team, you have to make up for it in other ways. And and that's a big part of it. Whether it's bringing in crazy P please don't do that again. That was frightening. Uh, every time you're sitting there and I, my seats were right next to the, to the tunnel, like the entrance for our section. So no warning, just the drum right next to the ear. Him screaming um, at you, yes, yeah, yes. literally, like interrogating us at the. <laughs> so, so there's 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 levels to it. You want everyone to feel involved and build up the energy level, uh, in in fun ways, and and music is a big part of that. I love what you said though about because it's so true. If the team is playing well, and the game in game presentation sucks, no one cares because yeah. the team is playing well. But on the flip side, if the team is not playing well. And the in-game presentation sucks. That's horrible. And even if the team's not well and the presentation's good, people are still going to think it sucks because they're in a bad yeah. mood because the team's losing. So I agree with you on that. So obviously the perfect world would be the Canucks do well and then it makes everything sound and, and feel better. Exactly. So you, do, do you know how to scratch anything or do you know how to, to spin the, any wheels? Not or are you going to be well. <laughs> you look uh, like a DJ with your headphones and everything. Yeah, I will not be, uh, I will not be the next Canucks DJ. I can promise okay. you that. Um, <laughs> I think that's all we need to talk about on that one. Uh, this is, this is a great, this is a great comment. <laughs> Bring back Michael Delzato to be the DJ. I love it. So is that, was he basically the DJ in the dressing room? Is that, yeah. or is he an actual DJ? And he also DJs on the side, uh, oh. DJ MDZ. Um, but yeah, no, he's, uh, he's into it. Um, I think that's all we need to talk about on that. Sure. Um, and we're right at about 1026 and we want to do, don't do that at 1030. So now's a good time for you to submit those. Right. Um, and what we'll do in the meantime is we'll talk about season two. So this is awesome. the end of season one. It's a Wednesday. Uh, as you know, we did our Wednesday shows, uh, basically for all of July and August and early September now, uh, just because it kind of worked with our schedules better. You know, there's no games to deal with. Lots of the big events happening and like free agency expansion draft were all on Wednesdays anyways. 
Uh, so it worked out pretty well. But for season two, we are going back to Mondays at 10 p.m. And it all starts next Monday. So you kind of get kind of an extra show. You know, it's it's Wednesday where it's only five days away. Hopefully something happens in those five days for us to talk about. Um, but Monday at 10 p.m. will kick off season two. Uh, and it's going to be a ton of fun. It's it's not there's not going to be a lot different, um, but we'll have ideally some Canucks hockey to talk about throughout the season, which will be a lot of fun. Um, but we do have some plans for this episode coming up, and it is definitely a reason to tune in. Uh, our plans are a big sort of contest. We are going to get. I have a big form ready to go where you can submit predictions for the Canucks this season, including like how many wins they'll have, uh, how many points by certain players, um, you know, goaltender save percentage, like a bunch of fun stats um, that you can predict. And uh, whoever gets the most points, uh, the most things correct uh, in the scoring system that's on it will win some sort of prize at the end of the year. It'll just be some sort of fun thing to track. The most fun part about it is Clay and I are going to go head to head on this. Oh. So, we are both on our on the show next week. We are going to make our predictions for all of these categories. We're going to lock them in live on the show. So there's no way for us to be like, actually, I said Horvat was <laughs> going to get 18 goals instead of 22 or whatever happens. Right. Um, so we'll be doing that live on the show uh, and we're going to be doing sort of just a contest throughout the year. Something for us to keep tabs on when uh, mm. maybe, you know, storylines are a little bit slow. We can check in and on, on our on sort of our, our side bet here. Uh, which will be a lot of fun. I really like that. So a couple of the thoughts on this. Number one, I got to do some research then, right? But you got to send me the questions, obviously. Here's the thing. I made the question. <laughs> I made the questions about a month and a half ago. I don't okay, remember. Okay. So I'm okay, almost thinking true. I just pull them up and we both just okay. pick our answers with no prep. That's good. Then we're not, we're not taking like rolling averages. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. Number two, this has been fun. I can't believe it's been 23 uh, maybe 21 weeks because we had a couple of weeks mm -hmm. where we had double but yeah and to do this all and we've grown quite well you know on on the podcast side for sure on the youtube side we're halfway to a thousand in, in just three months four months which is pretty cool but uh this is all done talking about maybe 12 games max as we talked about at the very start so pretty exciting stuff i can't wait uh, i think there's gonna be a lot of energy around the team I know you and I are excited about what we're doing here together. You and I are excited about other stuff that we're doing. So I, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's gonna be wonderful. Absolutely, it is going to be a really fun season, uh, especially if the team's good. <laughs> if the team is performing and the team's in the playoff hunt, it is going to be a super fun season. Uh, and if you're not subscribed already to the Canucks After Dark YouTube channel, mm -hmm. make sure you do that, or uh, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform as well. I love Lucas's uh, thing saying uh, not getting hype for season two. Don't do that. Lucas is the quintessential hype man. So thank you, Lucas, for absolutely the hype all the time. Yes. Yeah, we need to. You know, it, it's going to be a ton of fun uh, every yes. Monday night, 10 p.m., um, just like we are used to. Uh, Fangirl says not giving a five star review on Canucks After Dark. Don't do that. I haven't called this out in a while. Um, mm. but you know, we haven't really gotten any Apple podcast reviews lately, but I know our, our podcast listenership has increased a lot. Yeah. Uh, so if you're listening, especially on the podcast side or here live on YouTube, and especially if you're on Apple podcasts, you can leave a review of the show and we'd really appreciate it. it helps us grow. 
and whatever you write in there, we'll read it out on the next week's show. So if you go in there and you say, uh, this is the best show ever, five stars, we'll read it. If you insult us, but you still give it five stars, then we'll still read it. Uh, yeah, that so one's trickier, but we'll do it. Yeah, we'll still do it. It'll be entertaining at least. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, let's go, go give us yeah, a five Tiger. star review. Yes, please do. Thank you for that suggestion, Fanger. Tiger says giving Louis Erickson a tribute video. Don't do that. Uh, that's a good point, actually. When Louis, Beagle, Roussel, even Schmidt, Holtby, what are they doing? Just hmm, an acknowledgement. That's, that's interesting. I they played with the team for a while, like five yeah. years for Louis is. That's a long time to not get a video, um, but it's also like, <laughs> it's like what would you put in the highlight video? It's, 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 it can't, like... it's can't win for the PR team, right? Yeah, you could put that highlight in, and that's it. That's the whole video of him scoring on himself. Or I, I remember that I feel like was this last year where the Canucks put a a mini montage of Louis Erickson up on Twitter, but it was all just him like skating for the puck the whole time. Like there was no, and it was like genuine. But there was no actual highlights on it, like something like that. Um, and then Beagle and Roussel, I think you just, you know, put up on the screen, uh, maybe show one of their, you know, one of their goals or something um, like Roussel's goal during the Alex Burroughs game, for example, yeah. like something like that. That's a good uh, one. That, and then, yeah, you know, put something like that up and uh, and then that's Jay Beagle it. blocking a shot on a on a power play or a penalty kill. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> OK, we'll see what happens. That's a good one, though. Uh, Andrew says, this isn't a, a, don't do that, but this is a good point. Watching Monday night football and then Canucks after dark sounds like a great way to start each week. I absolutely agree. Andrew, uh, I will be partaking in, uh, in the same thing, except you're big, you're a big NFL I'll... guy, right? Parker. Yeah. 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 Um, I pretend just for my fantasy, <laughs> which people are just stealing money from me anyways. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I feel that. Yeah. Uh, any more don't do that? I don't think so. Oh, this is funny. Wearing jeans at a wedding. Don't do that. <laughs> Let's we got. I mean, it's this is the biggest Canucks news of the week. Uh, we have to get our takes in on the jeans to a wedding by Don yeah. Taylor. Uh, what do you say here? Uh, uh, 20 second background. It was uh, Ryan Henderson, his producer that got married. Correct. I believe so. Yep. Yep. Took a picture. A uh, bunch of team 1040 alum and most of them were dressed up and don taylor was wearing windbreaker jeans and dress shoes <laughs> hey he had okay. the shoes right <laughs> he had the shoes right i heard him say on the show that the invitation said semi-formal which would usually okay, mean that, no that counts jeans out yeah <laughs> that absolutely counts jeans out <laughs> no i um i don't think if there's one guy, not who could pull it off, because we're not talking about how good he looked. If there's one guy who can at least have fun with it and roll with the punches, it is him. But I don't, uh, as much as I like Don Taylor, I don't think it was the best look. No, I, again, it's, it's Don Taylor. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, yes. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no jeans to the wedding. Uh, all right. Um, where do we want to go now? Do we want to, I, lots of you guys are giving us like general topics, save those for the last 15 minutes or so of the yes. show. We got a couple other NHL topics to hit on. Uh, and this is something we talked about last week. If you, did you have something you want to jump in with? No, I, I think oh, okay. you're going where I'm going. Yep. All right. Uh, Yasperi Kakanyemi, um, offer sheet was successful. I should have left this. So you had to say his name. <laughs> no uh, way, Matt. He, he particularly asked me before the show. He's like, you have to lead off this topic. Um, yeah, so the Carolina Hurricanes put in that offer sheet that, you know, kind of salty offer sheet they put in with the 
$20 signing bonus and the 15 and all the numbers and, and changing their Twitter bio to French and their, their Twitter bio is now like undisputed offer sheet champions or something like that. Um, it's good. It's it's great. Uh, it's great entertainment at least, but, uh, the Canadians choose not to match. So they would have had to pay, uh, for the recap, they would have had to pay Kakinei about $6.1 million for just this year. And then that would be his qualifying offer for his next contract as well. Instead, mm. they elect to receive the first and third round picks in compensation. Yeah. What a story. It, wasn't he the third overall pick in, was it Quinn Hughes? 18, year, right? Yeah. 2018. Yeah. yeah. So third overall, are they giving up on it? Well, I guess they kind of did because he's, it, but he's only 21 years old yet. If you don't think he's gonna be six point one is basically a second line, right? That's Horvat money. That's a high that's, end second yeah. line, I would say. Yeah. So if you don't think he's gonna turn out to to be that, then it's a tough decision. But um, I, I don't blame them, and I think you and I agree that this was our prediction last week that that they weren't gonna match. I don't know if it was my prediction, but it was what I thought they should do. Um, right. That's so right. Right. for some backstory, he's played three years in the NHL now, right? He got drafted mm-hmm. in 2018. He played 79 games after he got drafted. He got 34 points in the 79 games, 11 goals. So he looked like, all right, if he keeps improving over time, that's going to be a really good contract or a really good pick. Uh, but then the next year, he only had eight points in 36 games huh. uh, and ended up, you know, doing a stint in the AHL for, for a handful of games. And then this last season in the 56 game shortened season, he only had five goals, 15 assists for 20 points. So basically a 30 point pace or so. Um, now look, he's still only 21, but hmm. to go from basically a 35 point player to a like 20 point player, and then back to a 30 point player doesn't scream, like doesn't put a lot of confidence uh, from that team into Kakinami. So the thought is probably, well, maybe we could sign him for six point one million, uh, but then we might have to trade him next year because yeah. you know, or trade his rights because he's not worth that money as a qualifying offer, and then they're not going to get a first and a third in return for a guy who looks like he might cap out as sort of a mid-tier second-line center at best. You're, yes, you end up if you decide to trade him because you're you're not doing well, or whatever. You're right. You're not getting close to two draft picks, a first and a third, you, you might get a second or, or a, right. Yeah. Or, so yeah, you're, you're right on Parker. And it's, um, it just, it's just funny. Like if you can separate the fact that he's third overall, which there's a lot of good players that were third overall and he's only 21, but if uh, Bruce Van did a, at least his clear thinking was that this guy's not worth 6.1 and not for not, you're right. Not just this season, but at least that going forward, um, maybe maybe it wasn't a tough decision. They could say it was a tough decision, then they mm-hmm. took it down the wire, which is smart, right? You don't yeah, you show as well. Bad, right? Yeah, you use all the time that you're given. But uh, my my gut feeling is it wasn't much of a debate. Uh, that's just my gut feeling. That's not based on anything. Just maybe my own thoughts. Yeah, no, I think I think it was the right choice. I think it's a bit of a tough choice again because you know you drafted the guy third overall, but the the position you drafted a guy at doesn't matter anymore, right? Once you're yeah. a couple years in, right? Yeah. You know, we can talk all we want about Ole Levy being a fifth overall pick. That but and but that shouldn't impact anything at this point, right? That was years ago. Um and it's the same with the uh, with the Kakinami uh side of things. But then they did something to at least make up for it. Kind of They sorta. did. So 
Uh, then they went out and acquired Christian Dvorak, a young, tw- I think he's 25 year old center. I thought he was way older for some reason, um, <laughs> but he's a, he's 25 year old center. Uh, and they trade a first round pick and a second round pick. Now there, it's a conditional first, so the condition is it's the better of Carolina or Montreal's first round pick. So they got that first round pick in the Kakinemi trade from Carolina. Uh, Arizona will get the better of the two firsts uh, next year, and then a 2024 second round pick. So way down the line, uh, okay. second round pick in exchange for Christian Dvorak. You know, the first time I heard about Christian Dvorak, it was so crazy. It was in my um, it was in my fantasy draft, which is a keeper league, so it rolls over year over year, and you keep your guys. And he got drafted. I'm just looking, 58th overall in 2014. 2014 isn't that the is that the McDavid draft? Uh, no, that's the Ekblad draft. Oh, okay, thank you. So that's also second. The, uh, Sam Reinhardt went second. Okay. Okay. All I remember is this guy in my pool was so adamant. He wanted Christian Dvorak so bad. He actually traded. He made a trade with another guy for a player like Ovi or so. It was someone so crazy. <laughs> it was someone so crazy that we thought that he was joking. That's and a then, heck of a move. <laughs> And then we were we were laughing and ha ha and then he was serious and then we felt really bad. <laughs> so, anyways, Christian, uh, um, obviously there there's some skill there. There he's still around the league. Is he? Does he do enough? Does, what does he play even? Is he, he's a center. He's a, center. He's a okay. center, and he's he's a pretty good center. So, uh, entered the league in 2016. So yep. a couple of years after he was drafted, put up 33 points in 78 games. The following year, 37 points in 78 games. Uh, 2019-2020. 38 points in 70 games. Mm-hmm. And then this last year, he he had his best year yet. So in the 56 games, he had 17 goals, 14 assists for 31 points. Okay. So about a 45-point pace or so uh, there, which yeah. is, you know, a, a decent second-line center who is who is still young. And he's made, I just looked up his contract, 4.45. Yeah, so a cost-controlled contract until 2025. Uh, that's pretty good for if he's going to be your second line center at 4.45, a million yep. and a half less than Kak Um yes. I think that's a pretty good swap if you're Montreal. Yeah, especially, yeah, if, if you think, and he's proven he's a better numbers than the guy, KK. <laughs> People are wondering why I won't say his name. I can't say it right. I, I haven't said it right for three years, so I, why <laughs> would I start now? So cheaper, more productive. And it kind of eases the, it kind of satisfies, not the right word, but it's at least something, right? You're showing the Montreal fans that we're not just giving up on this team for this year and taking those two draft picks for, for KK. We have this guy instead. So yeah, I'm okay with it. I agree. Um, all right. Our last uh, topic we want to hit on. So now is probably the time uh, for you to start throwing some topics in the chat. Uh, we talked about this quite a bit last week, but it was official uh, as of Friday that the NHL is going to the Olympics. Now, there are a lot of caveats, uh, <laughs> including that the NHL can pull the plug at any time if COVID-19 is is getting out of hand. Mm. Um, but it is really looking like they want to do it. The the IHF is covering insurance. Uh, but they will not cover COVID-related insurance, so the players are just willing to go for it at that point is sort of what it, what they said. Uh, the players were willing to concede that. 
uh, and we're going to have best on best Olympic hockey in about five months time. Wow. Wow. I know you like it. I know I like it. I know we're hungry for it. it they skipped the 2018 Olympics. So it's, it'll be eight years in the making. You don't count that world hockey championship or world cup that they did 2016. This is exciting. This is exciting. And I'm excited because a, it, it yeah, we missed one and I'm excited to, cause there could be up to nine or 10 Canucks playing in these Olympics, which is kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is going to be a lot of fun. We won't go into the whole, you know, who's going to make the team, all this stuff. We did that last week. If you are interested, you can go back, watch last week's episode, uh, or you can listen to the podcast. Um, always a good option for you guys. Um, anything else you want to talk about about the Olympics? Or just we're excited? Very excited. Sweet. I like it. All right. And now we turn it to you. Uh, the viewers at home, this is your chance to submit a topic for the show. Uh, we've got about 15 minutes left. We'll answer a few questions, talk about a few topics, stuff that we might have missed over the course of the week. Um, Clay, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be up first on picking a topic. Okay. Well, since it's the only one I see right now, Anna Crawford. So, are we starting with or without fans? I heard. When they were talking about the vaccine passport rollout on Tuesday, Parker, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the comment like uh, by the end of the fall? So kind of November, December, they're hoping for full? Yeah. So I, I yeah. thought it was like something like 50% until then. Um, okay. That or would something make sense. of that nature. So I'm sure there will be fans in the arena opening night, at least, you know, whether they do something like 5,000 or, or, you know, 9,000 to fill it half. Um, there will be people in the arena. And then, yeah, I would think that goes up to um, a full on. Yeah, uh, full on stadium, hopefully uh, by like November, December, something like that. So, Parker, without I'm not going to make you say anything political unless you unless you do. That's that's your own fault. But uh, I know you go to eight or 10 games a year. I get to about the same a, a year. Uh, your your comfort level in both 50 percent capacity, full capacity overall. I'm fine. Yeah, I uh, especially with the vaccine requirement. Um, you know, we uh, I'm at the point where you got to get back to normal at some point. Uh, yeah. and you know, if, if, you know, everyone who's going to get vaccinated is vaccinated at some point, you just got to say, all right, that's, you know, it's the best yeah. we're going to do. Um, so if, uh, yeah, I'm willing to go, um, if I get tickets, I don't know what my plan is around that yet. Um, <laughs> especially, you know, with my plans for content for the season, uh, might be a little tricky to go to some games, uh, but I'm yeah. sure I'll figure something out. Yeah. Step four was supposed to be yesterday, but because, uh, of the Delta yep. variant, they're going to push it at least till end of October, I heard, is the next target date. Sounds right to me. Sounds good. All right, your turn. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this is a good one. Thank you for putting this in, Sammy, right when I had to make a, a pick. Uh, this first one I saw. Are the Olympics being played on the European or North American ice surface? It's going to be North American, actually. Uh, this was in the memo that uh, I think Alan Walsh. No, it wasn't Alan Walsh. Uh, Who's the who, Don Fair? Don Fair. The, yep. Yeah. Don Fair's memo out to the players uh, said it would be on an NHL sized arena. So mm. I, I'm kind of sad about that. I like the big ice. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's fun. It's a lot more open, um, but it's going to be a bit more of the game we know. Don't, isn't it funny when you watch like uh, the Olympics or the Spengler Cup or the World Juniors? That ice, uh, like, I'm, I don't know the exact how much bigger it is it looks massive maybe it's the yeah. camera angle it looks like you fit almost another two guys per team on there 
Yeah, it's, I don't think it's a big difference. I yeah. actually, I actually think I have it pulled up here. Uh, it is, it's it's fifteen feet wider. So NHL rink, a bit. NHL rink is eighty five feet wide. Yeah. Uh, Olympic is a hundred. So you know, seven and a half feet per side is a, a lot of room. Yeah. Uh, and then I think um, I don't know if length is different. Uh, length is slightly the NHL rink is two feet longer. No, it's not because the Olympic rink has two more feet behind the net. So the oh. zone sizes are a little bit different. Um, smaller offensive zone, bigger neutral zone uh, on the Olympic rink, uh, and the NHL rink is uh, is just 15 feet thinner. Okay. Do you think um, teams like? Do you think it makes a difference to any of these teams? Basically, does it going to help anyone that it's on the North American, Canada, US, or it doesn't matter because all these guys are playing in the NHL? I don't right? think it gives anyone an edge. Yeah. Um, I think it might. You know, I think Olympic ice is probably better for better teams, uh, right? The more space yeah. a team like Canada has against, you know, like a a, a Slovakia, right? <laughs> you know, nothing against Slovakia, but you know, they're they're a, a tier or two down. Um, you know, giving giving Connor McDavid an extra 15 feet of, of lateral space to move uh, can't help. <laughs> Cannot help the uh, the enemy in that case. That's true. A, a defensive-minded team is probably applauding, plotting, applauding, be happy about this decision mm. for sure. Yeah, if you put if you gave if you put me out there against any NHL player and you get and the ice was this wide, yeah, I might have a shot. But if the ice is a hundred feet wide, I'm gonna get walked, <laughs> and it won't be close. Uh, so yeah, I think the the smaller ice definitely benefits worse teams, but it won't be enough to really matter. Yeah, very well said. Can you go up to Edmonds? You guys think Jake Vertanen will struggle in the KHL? I, I'm actually glad Edmund uh, asked this because you and I uh, talked about this as a potential show topic, but um, we can do it really quickly now. Um, on the same weekend that we hear that Pakosin is coming from Russia to Vancouver. We hear stories. Actually, we heard Britannia linked to three different KHL teams. I, I stupidly made a video with the wrong team, but that's okay. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like he's going for a one-year contract to play with Spartak, right? I think is the one he finally settled you on. You know better than I do. I didn't look. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, we we Jake Britannia bought out by the Canucks this season, um, admits this the allegations of sexual misconduct. Off to play in Russia. And the question Edmund says is, do you guys think Jake Vertanen will struggle in the KHL? I don't think he's going to struggle. I think he's going to go with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think he might. Is he going to be a marked man? Maybe they don't care. Maybe whatever. I don't think he's going to struggle, but I don't think he's going to light it up either. I think he'll just be a, a contributor. What do, do you, you think, really Parker? Do you really think he's going to try that hard? Like, he didn't try here, <laughs> right? He's so why try would he, over yeah. there. I don't know. I think he'll do fine. I, I like, you know, yeah. I, I think he has an edge playing against worse players. Right. But like he didn't try here. He's not going to try there. Um, That's so a good I point. Th I think he'll do okay. Yeah, you're right. You actually take the fact that his try meter might not be that strong, yet the level of competition is obviously weaker because it's the K, not the NHL. So maybe you put those things together and he'll be do the same as here. He'll just be okay. Yeah. Nondescript. 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 Yeah. I think is fair. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Um. I don't know. There's so many questions and they're so hard <laughs> to pick from. Um, lots of also just like general comments, <laughs> which is makes it kind of tough to filter through, which is great. We, we love the chat. Absolutely. Lo we love you guys chatting with each other. Just um, 
it just makes it, yeah we just got to filter through really quickly mm-hmm. how about noah's a nice not an easy one but is very relevant to Oops, what we talked about I missed it. yeah it moved go for it uh do you think quinn hughes will have a better season this year i think he has to um <laughs> does he like he has it in him right uh, i mean we saw it in his in, in the year before that he has better play in him uh it's just whether or not it happens uh so yeah i'd say so i think i think he will if he doesn't get all the way back to his, you know, the first Quinn Hughes we saw. Um, yeah. But I, I I think it'll be tough for him to do much worse because he is so skilled uh, and such a good skater that I, I think that'll shine through. And, you know, this season was a mess, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think if next season is less of a mess, then that is good for Quinn Hughes. Do you put him with Hamannick again, Parker? I think so. Yeah. I think you at least start it that way. Although, you know, we were, we did see like, Oh, it was like a fine pairing, but Hughes did struggle, right. Even with, with Travis Hamannick, although they weren't, you know, a disaster on the ice together. Um, I, I think you try, I think you try every combination you can, uh, yeah. you know, especially with, you know, a bunch of new bodies coming in a um, bunch of guys going out. Uh, you might as well just try everything. And, you know, if it doesn't work you switch it around, we know Travis green loves to do that. Um, so I, I think that probably is where it ends up though. But you're right. Hughes and Hamannick, that of all the six or seven guys that are going to be battling for those spots, that's the one constant that you know at least had some success last season. So uh, I agree with you. I, I see Travis Green coming out of the shoot with that pairing at least and then figuring out if it's Pullman or Myers playing with Ekman Larson, right? Then that's the other – because that, you make that decision, then it, it, obviously it makes your, your third-pair decision for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. What else? Um, this is just kind of fun and off the board. Um, thoughts on Grayevac? Did we mention when Grayevac left? Uh, yeah, you he, did. He you to, did. Where did he go? He went to like somewhere a Swiss League or something weird. Oh no, he went to he went to Russia. He went to Dynamo Minsk. Um, oh. I was surprised, honestly. Um, I thought Tyler Grayevac was like out of all the fourth liners. I thought he had a really good shot. Uh, of mm-hmm. making the team next uh, next year we saw splashes of him uh you know especially after the covid break and he was he, he was one of the better players on the ice honestly uh he's only he's 28 you know he, he, he's definitely at the the end of his career uh you know especially if you're a fourth liner at, you know once you're 28 um you're not going to really get a lot better uh but i was kind of surprised uh that he uh, that he didn't stick yeah, decent size. I think he scored one or two goals right at the end. And uh, I remember uh, the night he's yeah the night he scored his first one. The, he was one of the players trotted out on Zoom to have their the post game, and he was very likable. He's very articulate. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because of the age that you referred to, Parker. Just simply more mature, more more life experience. The kind of guy you want to root for, but um, obviously not in the team's plans, which is a little too bad. Mm-hmm. All right, you're up. All right. Oh, actually, I like BL tubes, not just because it's the last one. <laughs> Although that's kind of like my my trend right now. The first one. How much? Read. Yeah. <laughs> How much non-Canucks hockey do you watch? I will start. I will say, admittedly, not a lot. When it's during the regular season, um, if there's a game on before the Canucks game on a doubleheader on Sportsnet or CBC, I might catch the third period, but. Um, Unlike Parker, and obviously you can speak for yourself, I actually don't branch out to non-connect stuff even on this channel. For me, uh, sorry, on my channel, when I when I do that, I find 
the engagement simply not as strong. Mm. Maybe people are onto me. They know I don't know much about the rest of the league. So yeah, um, I, was, <laughs> I was faking it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to hockey, do you watch a lot of non-connects hockey though, Parker? No, I keep up to date, like, um, like Twitter and Reddit. Like I, I sort of just like, I'm on the hockey Twitter, hockey subreddit, like all the time. So I, oh, okay. I, I know what's going on, but when it comes down to watching games, I'm kind of the same boat, right? If, if the Canucks are playing at seven and it's hockey night in Canada and there's a game on at four. Yeah. I'll, I'll have the game on while I'm doing other stuff probably. Right. And I'll, I'll sometimes just have games on. Uh, if there's some reason to watch the game, like, you know, something, you know, like remember when the flames and Oilers had that sort of beef where they were fighting every night. Uh, yeah. Cassian like, and, yeah, yeah Chuck right. Something yeah. like that. I'll tune in. Um, but other than that, yeah, until it's the playoffs, until there's really something on the line, if it's like a make or break game um, yeah. or, you know, yeah, it's it's a playoff game, then I probably won't tune in. That's a great point, though, about the kind of the marquee or the intriguing ones. Calgary, Edmonton, Tiger just said t- any team that Tom Wilson is playing on versus the Rangers. Like, yeah, that's a those and that, that would kind of make sense, right? Kind of like if you're following a if you're a fan of the NBA or NFL NBA, you always get excited for certain matchups or when certain players play. And that's what someone else said is you watch players. Gomer said he watches players more than he watches teams. So all really, really good, good points. Yeah. Yeah. Totally fair. Yep. All right. Uh, Edmund asks what our go-to sources are. Uh, Mm. Obviously we are insiders, right? So we're always tweeting out the breaking news. Um, Although I have, I just go to each other. Yeah, I have had a lot of people, you know, comment on my videos like, wow, I didn't even know this until you made a video about it because I, you know, I try to be quick, right? Like I want to have within like 20 minutes if I can, you know, if wow. it's something that I'm at least somewhat prepared for. Um, but, you know, and any mentions uh, on this message here, the score, Sportsnet, TSN, it's never really any of those though, right? It, it's the, it's sort of the, if it's NHL or if it's Canucks news, especially, right? It's, it's the either people who work for Sportsnet, but not really like Sportsnet themselves, uh, or yeah. it's guys like Jeff Patterson, Thomas Durant, right? It's the insiders who actually are, are there and and getting the information, making phone calls uh, and tweeting it out. So my source is Twitter. Uh, I almost always have Twitter open, just sort of scrolling on the side. It's always there. Uh, so if something pops up, it pops up. and uh, And that's sort of where I get my info. I agree with you. From a national standpoint, which I'm not saying is the better one, I, I think Elliot Friedman is quite connected and he is usually accurate. He doesn't do a lot of clickbaity stuff. Um, uh, so I like Elliot Friedman. I think Darren Drager generally is pretty good, but you're right, Parker. Locally, Rick Dollywall, so connected, very right. well respected. He basically has every agent on speed dial. So I try, and Dollywall doesn't like to sensationalize things like Sam. Well, I better not say it just in case he's watching it. But uh, um, I, th- I think Dolly Wall is the best. I agree with you, Jeff Patterson, yep. Thomas Trance. And, you know, there's other guys that maybe aren't as popular who often report really good stuff. Patrick Johnson is really good. I'm not saying he's not popular, but he may not have the same name cachet. And you know who else is, is kind of interesting? You you mentioned Sportsnet personalities. Is Irfan Kafar actually. And he's mm-hmm. he's – I've heard him talk about Tyler Mott being hurt. I've heard him talk about uh, – you know, contract things. So uh, you're right. Generally the people here are pretty good. They're not into uh, making up stories for, for the most part. So I think we're very blessed actually. And despite a lot of people think that the Canucks media is negative. Remember it was a tough season to cover the team. I do think we have some really good people here. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, we actually get interesting coverage here. You know, you, if, if we were coyotes fans, you know, we, you know, it, it, there's, there's not a lot to go with. Right. I remember when the Ekman Larson trade broke, the guy who broke, it was just a guy who worked for a random Arizona sports radio station <laughs> that they don't really focus on the coyotes that much. Right. They're more focused on, on like the Cardinals um, down there. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of interesting and, and, you know, there's just not a lot of coverage Meanwhile, up here, we get all that. And while we, you know, while we mentioned where we get our news from mostly on Twitter, you guys can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm mm. a Parker's Pucks. He's a Canucks clay or Canuck clay. Make sure you follow us. Uh, cause you get great tweets out of us. We're very entertaining. You get to see clay dancing, oh, uh, just ripping strikes down the bowling alley. Uh, you get to see me be sarcastic. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's, a. Uh... Twitter is, it's, it's funny. It's, uh, when used well, it, it can be very good. It can be very good. And, uh, yeah, the, I, I agree with you. The, the best and first place to get news of all sorts, not just sports. Yeah. In general though, Twitter is the worst, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Best and worst. <laughs> yeah. But it is fun. Um, and with that, we are right at our 11 o'clock mark as prescribed. Um, so we're going to wrap up season one. Uh, this is the end of season one, 23 episodes strong, over 23 hours of content. Not a single one of our episodes is under an hour. They're almost all an hour and four minutes because it, it apparently takes us four minutes to wrap up, uh, which <laughs> seems kind of long. Um, so stay strapped in for the next four minutes or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're going to wrap up season one. Like we said, season two starts Monday at 10 PM. Make sure you're there. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Canucks after dark YouTube channel. If you want to tune in live and if you're a podcast listener, make sure you're subscribed. Uh, and if you missed any part of the, the show, or if you want to go back to any big moments of our first season, if you want to go back to, you know, listen to our thoughts on Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson from July 23rd. You could do that. Um, I don't know why you would, but you definitely can. Um, <laughs> and make sure, you know, you're uh, you're subscribed to both of our uh, personal channels. Uh, Parker's Bucks, Canuck Clay. Uh, we make Clay makes videos basically every day. I make videos whenever something interesting happens, which has not been a lot lately. Uh, but as the season gets going, we'll both be ramping up, I'm sure. Um, making stuff for connect games, connect news, basically everything going on. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I won't go for two minutes just so we can get to one Oh four, but it might end up that way. Anyways, I want to give a shout out to this man, Parker, because, um, he, we joke around about it. He even tweeted about today. This guy is usually in bed two hours ago. You guys know this, right? Oh, maybe not two hours ago. He's not well, five, actually five old, an hour and a half ago. Okay. But seriously, <laughs> We know Parker is a early sleeper, but because he gets up early, I am a night owl. I'm just ramping up at 10. I'm 10 p.m. I'm getting ready to go. That's why all my streams are at 10. That's why Parker streams are like four or at seven. So, having said that, Parker, you this is your vision, man. You do the graphics, you do all the tech setup. You let me kind of just float in at 9:50, sometimes closer to 9:55, but we won't tell people. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, you guys. We Parker and I haven't even met in person yet. We have, uh, we had one phone call for about an hour to set all this up and a bunch of Twitter DMS and, uh, look where we are still got a long way to go, but uh, we're so grateful that you guys are here with us and uh, yeah, I'm so excited for, for what's going to happen and, uh, for a good team for a continued good show. And we, we're very blessed that you guys have, have especially if you've been with us since the very start, leave a comment. If you've been with us since the very start in April, just show off a little bit. I put that in the comment section. Yeah, we let us know when you did start yeah. listening, even if it wasn't right off the bat. You know, I mean, yeah. I can look. I can look at the podcast stats. Right, our our first show got, 
you know, about about 80 listens on, on the podcast platforms. And our latest ones are closer, close to 300, wow. uh, which is which is super cool. Uh, and yeah. And, and of course, you know, we can we can talk about each other all we want. Right. About, you know, <laughs> the me setting up the tech clay showing up and putting on a great show every week. But really, wow. it comes down to the you guys watching uh, and listening, because if there if you know, if, if we didn't have people watching us or, you know, one of us didn't, um, if I didn't, uh, this wouldn't have happened. So uh, you guys coming out uh, week in, week out, listening to us talk about random stuff while nothing happens in the NHL for, for a whole month and a half. Uh, it's really cool. So thank you guys. And uh, we're just going to keep going, keep getting better. Uh, and it all starts next Monday, September 13th, 10 p.m. Season two kicking off the 2021-2022 season in style. Any parting words? Are we suiting up next Monday? <laughs> Man, we, we could talk about that as soon as we press stop because guess what? We're at 104. <laughs> okay, yeah, we got to wrap. We got to wrap. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. We'll see everyone next Monday. Awesome. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Again, if you missed any part of the show, you can rewind on YouTube, listen to the podcast, uh, and we will talk to you guys next week.